Okay, welcome back or welcome to Ted and Yogi's Pac-12 Adventure alongside our producer, Michael Molinari. I am Yogi Roth. You got Ted, two-time Hall of Famer, Molinari, back from his NFL stint. And now we are fully entrenched in Pac-12 football. Fellas, it's been a good summer. It's been a nice training camp. And now it's game week. And we are part of the Believe Podcast Network. Excited to do that. So a lot of changes going on for all of us. But one thing that does remain the same is we're going to hang out on Saturday in a booth and talk ball. When are we going to get a game in Dublin? Amen. <laughs> I'm just asking, George, Commissioner, <laughs> when are we going to have a game in Dublin? Free Guinness? How about six games? Does that work? <laughs> I mean, I could... It's amazing how week zero starts, and and I was I'm in New York as we're talking. I'm doing U.S. Open tennis, and I'm going to be joining Yogi for for the games. But uh, even this weekend at tennis, everybody was talking about this Dublin football game with free beer. Everybody at tennis was talking about that. So they found a way to register. Amen. Somebody was it? They got free beer because like the credit card machines weren't working, so they just started giving it away. I, I don't know. I, I've read that. Okay. I, which is good on them. Like, that's the right move. But, exactly. Yeah. It's, yeah. I would imagine that's the safe move in Ireland, not to deny the beers, but <laughs> the I, safe moves. You're saying onside kicks and holding out of the beer are not the safe moves. <laughs> I love that. All right. So, we, we wanted this first episode, number one. We, we love this. And just to kind of reset it for everybody, this serves kind of a, like a production meeting for us because we're on the road every weekend for the next 14 or so weekends talking about the best Pac-12 game in the conference on the Pac-12 networks. Um, and also a way to take you inside the league like we think no one in the country can. Uh, we feel like our group has the best insight and, quite frankly, the best access. So we're going to tell you a bunch of stories and then take you inside the truck, right? That's why uh, Michael offers just a unique lens. And Ted, as much as you and I love talking ball, all the feedback I get on the podcast is how cool Michael is. So. Michael, I, I don't know, more airtime this year? Is that what we need to do? Uh, it's funny. I, I, positive feedback is uh, with two teenage daughters, not something I get a lot of at home. So could you share a little more of that with me, Yogi? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Yeah, off the air, off the air. Though. Send that my air. way. Yeah, 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 yeah yes. I got you. All right, so let's talk about um, on the air. Let, let's just lead with our game, right? Like, have, you, have either one of you ever had a game you've anticipated so much around USC and Lincoln Riley? Every every time there, it just keeps building, right? It's like Lincoln joins, the game is big. Caleb comes, the game gets bigger. All this other stuff happens, the microscope seems to get bigger. So I don't know what's going to happen between now and Saturday. I It's going to be about 99 degrees, I guess. I, so that'll heat it up a little bit. But yeah, this is this is one of the biggest stories in college football. And we're doing it. And I'm so thankful we are. I have to say, uh, the hotel I stayed at in New York Friday and Saturday night had the Pac-12 network on. Okay. Now, look, come on. We, we, we're not fooling anybody here. Distribution's not been a strength of our network in its history. So it's on in New York City. Okay. I can't get it in my house, but that's a different story. My point is, I hope it's distributed in Oklahoma because our viewership in Oklahoma Saturday is going to be very high and don't you believe that there'll be a huge push for rice yes from oklahoma city to norman that's about 20 miles 22 miles between those two cities a lot of rice fans on saturday don't you think yeah i think i hope it's yeah 
I, they, they'll find a way to get it there. I think they'll also find a way to get it in like Moleshoe High School in West Texas as well. The, the, the pride of Lincoln. That's right. um, yeah, it's it's really interesting, man, to to hear and feel like the vitriol in college football because we don't see often coaches leave blue bloods for blue bloods, but we saw it this past offseason, right? We saw Brian Kelly do it. We've seen um, Lincoln Riley, as you referenced, do it. But it doesn't happen that often. And it feels like SC... I mean, you look at the roster, 20 new transfers, and there's some elite players, right? Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. I think they're at top, I call them one and two wide receivers for SC. I think they're better than everybody else's one and two in the league. And you could argue the country. I mean, the speed is just ridiculous. Ted, you, you had the line that I've been stealing all week, which is SC comes at you in waves. Yeah. We, we had a chance, Lincoln Riley, to his credit, allowed us to come to watch practice last week. And uh, in, prep for this game and of course for me really important day to go see them practice and that's when I and again it's practice okay they're going pretty much against air and against themselves but I don't care they're five and six wide receivers are yeah. how good well I'm saying I mean that that's the point their skill position between the depth at running back depth at wide receiver and a quarterback that's new to USC but has already played and played for this coach <laughs> I mean it, it, there can't be any question at all about the USC offense, and obviously you watch them play. You know the defense is the big question. Can Alex Grinch work up some Grinchy magic right away? And I will say, guys, it was weird. It struck me because it was such a difference from a year ago when we went to Arizona State saw and I saw Gentry for the first time. To see Gentry playing middle linebacker. Yeah. Gentry as a Mike, and you've never seen a Mike like never seen a Mike that size with that length and wingspan. So that's clearly guessing. That's Grinch's thought process, right? Nobody else has seen that before. Yeah, well, I can remember we did Arizona State's spring game, and that's where Eric Gentry is lining up. And then here we go to USC, right? And and now he's there. I, I'm really excited. I was just talking to our good friends, uh, Evan Moore and Guy Haberman, and they said, what, what, what are some things like you're really looking forward to watching? And I, and I really netted out at three things. One is how quick, like how much are they going to do offensively and defensively? And, and that to me will showcase like – how much trust they have in their players saying like, yeah, I've absorbed it all. Or is it just going to be like, let's do what we do really fast. We got better players, especially in offense. And away we go. That, that's number one. Two is the run game. Because I've stood next to Ted Robinson for almost a decade now. And when we call SC games, you give me a look, especially the last couple of years, it's like, run the ball. Run the ball. Where is the run game? And I went back and watched Oklahoma's run game. It is awesome. And Lincoln's an air raid guy. He learned from Mike Leach, walked on and played for Mike Leach at Texas Tech. That's the foundation of him. But we always say this about the air raid. It's a philosophy, not a scheme. And what he does in the run game, I can't wait to watch. Like, how intricate is it? Is it like Oklahoma's with all the offensive linemen pulling and moving and trapping, et cetera? And then thirdly, and Michael and I, we talked about this late last night. This is one of the worst defenses in the history of USC last year, statistically, against the run. Last five years, they've given up 150-plus yards on the ground, five straight years, and 32 points per game, which is a school record they gave up last year. Those are the three things. Like That's like, that's kind of where I net out, Michael. Well, the beauty of you – I'll give you the little inside TV thing. Ted basically echoed exactly what we spoke about last night is what we should do in the open. And, like, we didn't have to talk with him about it. We're all on the same page. Obviously, the new players, Caleb – the receivers, but the question is the defense. And the stat you just said is going to be the graphic goes up. So it's uh, 
it's it's nice to be working with people for 10 years straight and we're all on the same page ready to go so that's my take on that i agree but with both of you and i think that's what we'll present when we come on the air and then we got a little uh pack 12 connection with rice we'll get to with uh coach and uh another mccaffrey another mccaffrey and the other thing i'm looking forward to saturday i think it's just obvious is to is to be at the coliseum just to feel the vibe you know usc fans were beaten down last year you know that we all saw it and that's the the investment that's been made in usc football is that going to be registered right away by fan fan loving it on a day that's going to be very hot and it's an opponent that's not going to be the sternest opposition for you to people show. I think that will be, to me, a real measure on week one. Okay, so let me let me hit you with a theory before we move on to other teams. Um, let, let's just, Ted, you and I are Heisman voters. Since 2001, there's only been one preseason Heisman favorite to win it. It was Matt Leinart. My theory is that when we place guys up on a pedestal all year long, you kind of just chip away at them to bring them down. Caleb Williams, what he's gone through this year has never happened before, right? He was a he was number one quarterback in America coming out of high school. His first snap against Texas was one of the greatest plays in all of 2021. It was him just running for a touchdown, all of a sudden leading an insane come from behind victory. And then he has this miraculous year, transfers. He's uh, reportedly making a large amount of money via NIL. Um, this roster has totally reshapen via the portal and he's the face of it. And he's never put this uniform on in a game. I wonder what you think about like, are, he's put so high. Do you think it's going to be a year where people are trying to like find kinks in his armor? Or do you think we recognize like, Hey, he's only started seven games. Like he's got, a, he's got a lot of room to grow. Let's watch him grow. Well, I'd say, I want to say one thing about Caleb Williams. That's unique. 99% of the time, the transfers are because you're not playing or you're at a smaller school and you have an opportunity to make a move to a higher level. Besides the weather, this is a lateral move from Norman to LA as far as conference conference goes, power conferences. So he, he left for no other reason than he wanted to be with Lincoln, I think. That's a huge reason. So it's unique in that he didn't leave because he wasn't getting playing time. And I think more people can stomach that and say, okay, I understand he left because he wasn't getting an opportunity. This is going to be a unique situation because he made a move when he was already the starter and going to be the starter of Oklahoma. So I think people, you know, when you go to the uh, uh, Twitter echo chamber right now, I think people are being a little bit harsh on him. I can tell you, I got to sit down with him for a little bit at uh, at media day. And the, the kid is, kid's awesome. I can say that. I met him. He's awesome. You don't know him. You're, you're talking about him on Twitter. So take my word for it, folks out there. And and so the Heisman thing, Yogi. I mean, I don't know who do, I don't know who decides somebody's a favorite. I've never paid attention to that. But if USC wins, and especially, right, you assume that week one this is a win for them. But then you have the week two annual game with Stanford, right, in the conference play. And then they have Fresno State with Jay Hayner back and Jeff Tedford back. Okay, you go three and zero. Oh. That three and zero. Oh. We'll put USC on the national map for the first time in a while, and we'll put Caleb Williams right in the conversation. Yeah, and then a trip to Corvallis in front of 27,000 in a unique stadium. Gosh, I hope we're there. Um, all right, talking about a unique stadium. Uh, it's called a neutral site game, but it's not. Let's just go to this to, to the, the obvious here. Georgia, Oregon. I can't remember in my career ever 
having a situation like this where a team won a national title, a coordinator leaves, and they play each other in the opening game to start the season. Like the closest thing I could recall was when Sark went to UW and they beat SC in week three with Coach Carroll. His first year, Aaron Corp was the starting quarterback. I see fans remember that one well. Um, what, do you, what, do you, what are you most excited about, Ted? Were you just up at Oregon? Did you go to Eugene last week? Yeah, no, I, I was uh, – that was that trip got derailed. That was a beautiful trip. But, um, well, first of all, I mean, we have the same situation unfolding up there that has – I was hoping – I'm hoping it doesn't repeat itself very often in the conference this year, which is who's the quarterback going to be. I think most people assume it's going to be Bo Nix, but um, – it, it would strike me there's not an element of surprise. Georgia knows Bo Nix. Georgia's played Bo Nix three times. Year. Yeah, saying so that that's you know that part of it in terms of trying to you know to make the prep more difficult for your opponent. I wouldn't see that. Um, but well, this is going to be a heck of a hard game. It's a little different to me than the Utah going to Florida game. You're going right to the wolf's mouth here, man. <laughs> Playing Georgia in Atlanta. It's Athens is what about 50, 60 miles away. It's it's, uh, my friends are Auburn. Let me put it this way. My friends are Auburn fans. They hate Georgia more than they hate Alabama. Okay. I mean, that's just, it's just wow. some of the dynamics that you don't really understand unless you're around them or down there, but it's, it's unbelievable to me. So there's something about the passion that Georgia drives. So this is all going to be tough. And for Oregon, let's see, let's see what, what the new offense has. I, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing. I was watching, a little bit of a preseason game last weekend and Anthony Brown was playing. Yeah. So the Baltimore Ravens, he looked good. And that, you know, just, it's just going to say it. Justin Herbert has looked okay in the NFL, right? He looked okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now Anthony, I'm saying, so maybe I'm changing the offense at Oregon. It's going to be a good thing. And that was something I'll be watching when I watch this game back, when we all get a chance to watch it back, will be the Oregon offense. Uh, the thing I'm going to watch is the vaunted Oregon linebackers against Georgia's tight ends, which is arguably, you know, the greatest trio of tight ends in college football historically, although that's every year we always have the greatest historically, it seems like. But yeah. if, if Oregon's linebackers can neutralize the tight ends a little bit, I think they got a chance, but if they don't, I don't think there's, I think there, I don't think there's a chance. That's what I would set the game up with. Yeah. I was doing that. And, game. and look, you know, then you take it, but look, if Dan, if somehow Oregon can win this game, whoa, Dan Lanning, yeah. Dan Lanning will get, should get a bottle of champagne from every one of the other conference coaches. It would be the best thing in the last couple of years. It's happened for Pac-12 football. I will bring one myself when we see him the following week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we should just get one on the way home from the game, come to my house, and we'll, we'll watch the end of that one. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, the, the, my one thing on this game, uh, well, two things, the obvious. I'm excited to watch Dan Lanning be a head coach for the first time. Calls first time out. What does he do on critical moments? Does he go for it inside the five? Does he go for it in the red zone? And then speaking of the red zone, I think this game will come down to Bo Nix's decision-making and if the receivers can elevate. Like, the receivers are all highly ranked. It's time for Chris Hudson, Troy Franklin, like these guys to ball out. You know, I was up there a week and a half ago, really impressed with what I've seen. This team has gone through a lot. Let's not forget the loss of Spencer Webb, um, a tight end who passed away over the summer. Uh, they feel as though they're as connected as they've been. And we saw this, unfortunately, a year ago with Utah of what loss has done 
and can do for a team. I'm excited to see how this team bands together, Ted, to your point, like in front of a crazy crowd. I went to the CFP in this stadium when UW played Alabama. It's 90% Alabama fans, right? Like it's, it's going to be crazy. Uh, but to that point, Bo Nix, when they're in the red zone, when it's a third and five, he's got to be awesome. He's got to be ice. And I think that's what the game will come down to. Can I give you a quick Dan Landing note and why I already love the guy? Yeah. So at media day, I sat down with him for a couple questions on camera. And I said, you know, coach, your first time as a head coach, you know, what's the greatest thing you learned or some dumb TV question. And he looks at me and goes, I don't know where you've got your information, but I've been a head coach. And I'm like, what the hell? And he's like, I coached my son's third grade basketball team. Yeah. And I just, I just died laughing. And I was like, oh, this guy's, this guy's pretty cool. I'm a fan. I'm a fan already. Yeah. He's normal. Like Ted, you, you spent a bunch of time with him too, right? Like, doesn't he just come off like, God, I'm rude for this guy. That was very, yeah. So we, we, we talked to him together a bunch of media. Uh, Dan, I think we talked about that on our last pod and he does. And hey, look, I'm going off what a lot of us go off of during the spring and summer, which is the stuff, the reports that come out of Oregon about the vibe he's created, the atmosphere he's trying to build, having the team at various stages to his house for backyards. All that stuff's great. That, that, that's, you know, for someone and, and the challenge that Dan Landing knows better than anyone. We've seen it with many other coaches through the years that come to the pack and they have no back in the West. They have no backing in the West coast, no foundation anywhere West of the Rockies. And how do you adapt? How do you adjust and how do you become someone who's one of quote unquote us? And that's everything you read about Dan Lanning. He's off to a great start in that regard. Amen, man. Amen. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take a deep dive into them next week. We're calling Eastern Washington at Oregon, his home debut um, on the Pac-12 Network's uh, 530, which will be fun in Austin at night. Uh, okay, let's go to let's go to Gainesville. Seven o'clock local time there. Billy Napier, who we knew when he was at Arizona State, uh, big fans of him. He's the head coach. Anthony Richardson, very athletic quarterback, uh, really talented player. Their leading receiver, from what I'm told by my insiders, Ted, is a guy we kind of adored in the spring at Arizona State. Ricky Pearsall is now the leading receiver for Florida. So there's going to be some familiar names. Yeah. And also for Utah. We know what the trio is on offense. Tavion Thomas, Brant Keithy, Cam Rising, Heisman Candidate Cam Rising. Please talk about him in that regard if we're going to talk about guys who've never played before as Heisman Candidates around the country. Uh, that's just my soapbox. And then defensively, um, Clark Phillips, All-American. And uh, I'm a huge fan of. So That's the longest we've ever gotten into a pod without the first soapbox coming out. Yeah. That's a new record. Totally. Yogi, that was awesome. Dude, I'm pissed about it. I'll be honest. Like, for yeah. I, I don't ever, I've never bet in my life. Okay. I got turned off on betting for another podcast. I'll tell you that story. But at an early age. But to see guys, and I love Quinn Ewers, but to see him like at 10 to 1 or 11 to 1 odds to win the Heisman, who's never played in a meaningful game, and then see Cam Rising, who led a team to a Rose Bowl, be 80 to 1 or whatever he is. I'm just yeah. like, who's making the odds? Like, what are we talking about? Because people in other parts of the country probably think it's a good idea to bet on those things. So the odds are driven. And, and the sad part is that something that should be an honorable award, right, becomes a betting tool. That's the other. I mean, that's just sad. So uh, anyway. But Yogi, I, I back to just quickly on Utah. This is the game. To me, this is the one that 
it's hard to say you go across the country to a place like Gainesville, Florida, and should win. But I would say it's close to should win for Utah. And I know it's hard. That's that's pressure and expectation off a first game. But you have, like I said, you have your foundation pieces are in place, unlike last year. And that's kind of where I'm coming at it, knowing Kyle Whittingham as long as we've known him and knowing that last year's quarterback thing in September cost them. It cost them. But they don't have that now. They've yeah. got it in place. And Kyle knows I'm not going to let September cost. I just know him enough to think that he's determined September's not going to cost me this year. Kyle Whittingham's team will be ready for the moment. If I don't know anything about that game, I know that. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, enough said there. Like, I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, I think it's the next natural step. Like, I think when we talk about even SC or Texas, as I referenced earlier, like, there's so much gas on them and hype. I think for Utah, it's like the next step that they've built. I, I was at the Fiesta Bowl. And Kyle took over as head coach, and they thumped my Panthers uh, in 2004. And then every year, it's like they've just taken the step. And I think this this is it. Um, okay. Uh, I, I think it's an interesting game on Friday night because it's Sonny Dykes coming to play a Pac-12 game. Sonny Dykes, we don't know who's going to play quarterback. He's got a couple talented guys who played a bunch. We don't even know who Colorado's going to play quarterback in terms right. of start, right? Like, I think it, we've talked about this, I think, after the spring. But, like, I, I'm really intrigued to watch Colorado. Like, I think this is Carl Terrell's roster. You look at Jerick Broussard, transferred. Brandon Rice, transferred. All these guys that were recruited by Mel Tucker, gone. They're his dudes. Problem is the problem is they could play. <laughs> Copy that. Christian Gonzalez. Christian is the first. I think he's Nate, the best corner in the league. Nate Lamon, who I watched. I watched Nate Lamon. He has a shot to make the Atlanta Falcons. Wow. Good that's pretty him. darn good. So, anyway, a lot. that's the point about the intrigue, Yogi, is that we're all intrigued because right now Colorado has zero expectation. I think everybody who's tried to take a stab at prognostications has picked Colorado 12th. Yeah. And it's because everybody's gone. You don't know who, who is coming. I mean, they have Fontenot back as a running back. That's a good thing. And the two quarterbacks that are contending are both in the program last year. So they know Carl, they know, they know the offense that clearly we could see last year. He's Carl shifted and was going to put in the offense he wanted to run. So they've had, in theory, an offseason to do that. But I just, to me, that's enough. Colorado's a complete unknown because I don't know who they brought in yeah. and how, how immediately any of them can contribute. Yeah. Well, the guy they brought in that's notable is Mike Sanford. And they yeah. want to run the ball, yeah. right? We've known Mike since he was at Stanford. Um, yeah. His family's illustrious in the coaching profession. I'm, I'm really... I'm just intrigued. They want to move the line of scrimmage. They want to play a pro style brand of ball. Like, can they? I don't know. Like, yeah. so, so that'll be fun. Um, I want to shift gears, Michael, and go to Arizona. Right. If you think of that state, right. Arizona state hosts NAU on the Pac-12 networks Thursday night. And then Arizona goes on big CBS to play a San Diego state program that um, is rightfully so under a large amount of criticism. Um, rightfully so, yeah. uh, with off the field issues, uh, rape allegations, um, et cetera. But, but when you talk about Arizona State and Arizona, uh, what do we think about that? Because Teddy, that, that hit me. Of like, we don't we don't know about Colorado. What do, we don't really know about Arizona, Arizona State either. Well, first, 
Can I just jump in real quick? Chance yeah. Lytle has transferred out of Colorado to the singing lineman. The Duke. <laughs> now, yep. Who's now making his, 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 he made a singing debut on a social at Duke. So anyway, I just had to give him a little love. And then I would say Delora at Arizona is, is that, is, I would ask you, Yogi, is that what they, is that what they were looking for? I mean, he looked great at Washington State last year. Oh my God. I talked to their staff the other day and they're so excited about him. He's put on a bunch of weight. They're like, he hasn't lost a step or mobility. He's, they say he's just dialed. Teddy, you're going to love it. He's going to be under center. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I can't and, wait to watch them play. And, and, and Yogi, don't you think? I mean, what Michael's saying, I, I feel like I know a little bit more about Arizona now. Again, we did both, both spring games in Arizona. So that helped us. But I feel like Arizona's head, without question, heading the right way. Now they have tough They're, this first week. It's not just a good San Diego State team, but it's the opening game in their new stadium. And, you know, that, that's tough. That's going to be tough because, you know, there'll be, I think it's small, like 35,000, I believe. Yeah. But the place will be packed. It'll be roaring as it should be. And this program, everything about it has been good until the news of this week, which I have to believe will certainly register with people in positions of authority who may be deciding on potential where San Diego State may play. You have a potentially un really ugly situation unfolding there. Um, but to specifically just to the football team, Brady Hope knows what he's doing. We have we have my guy. We have a better deal quarterback, Braxton Burmeister, baby. He's Come on back. In four years, he can probably transfer twice more before it's over in today's world. But, uh, you know, that was been a position where when we saw San Diego State the last couple of years, quarterback was maybe not their best. Um, Good running back back. Anyway, that to me is a really tough game for Arizona. And then they get Leach next week. So it's a tough start for Jed Fish. But I feel way better about them. Arizona State, like I said, we did the spring game. And then guys leave after the spring game, like their best receiver in Pearsall. And then two quarterbacks go through the entire spring, busting their tails. And suddenly, what everybody suspects is going to happen, the transfer comes in after spring. And by the way, the job's worse. You two guys who busted your hump all spring, hey, hang I don't know how you make that work. That, that to, and I could be completely wrong here, obviously, but I don't know how you make that work internally. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be extremely interesting to watch Arizona State this year because you know they they bring in a bunch of transfers as well. Xavion Valade, keep an eye on yeah. him at the running back position. Um, UCLA, I feel like they just get overlooked, right? And and after going to training camp, I say UCLA and Oregon State. I'd put him in a similar dialogue. I would have put Cal there until they lost Brett Johnson for the season yeah, on wow. Thursday night. I was there and saw it happen in real time, guys. Oh, my gosh. Just it was brutal. Um, but UCLA, Oregon State, different openers. Right? UCLA should roll in their first three. Oregon State has Boise State at home to kick the party off. What do you think about those two teams that are trying to make a run at the, at the Pac-12? Michael, what do you got? Well, I think you said it at UCLA last year, they had the big win early and all of a sudden the bandwagon starts. I think they're going to be totally under the radar till week four. So they should get rolling. Uh, I mean, they've got a fifth year quarterback. Uh, that might be the only one in the nation. Um, so that, that helps for sure. Uh, I think their offense is going to be great. I think what they had trouble with, as we saw against Fresno State, was uh, the, the defense, especially against the pass. So I think if they can get that short up, everything else are pretty solid. Um, so I obviously we'll find out week four how good they are. We're not going to know anything of the first three weeks. 
the 11 a.m. kickoff, by the way, week three, we have Chip Kelly will like that, I'm sure. Um, Oregon State, I've been at Oregon State. Chip's for, not uh, alone. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, there's two. <laughs> <laughs> at Oregon State, I've been a fan of I Jonathan Smith, I think, has just absolutely revamped the culture there when we went there a couple yeah. times and just everybody it just there's such a positive feeling there i mean i think it's weird they're going to be playing in this like half built stadium i think that's going to be in that's either going to be a positive or maybe something that's a little a little odd but i know the demand for tickets at that place the people that show up for those games are going to really want to be there and i think maybe they're going to be loud it's, it's always pretty loud there but it might be as loud as it's ever been because the people that are there are going to be so into it and, and i would quickly say UCLA, we we talked about this, Yogi, uh, and I did doing their spring game, which I brought up. Not only has Chip Kelly never been in one place for five years, which he is now, he's never had a quarterback play for him for more than two. So you have a five-year relationship between head coach and quarterback, and we talked to Dorian about it at, uh, when we were down there for the spring game, and he said, yeah, I know what's going on. I mean, I know exactly what Chip's thinking, you know, things you would expect that a quarterback would say when he's been with the same guy coach for five and same offense for five years, Charbonnet's back, you know, you, they're going to score points. You know, that it's the same theme as I think of USC. And I think about Stanford, three schools that I think are in the same boat. Everything's defense. So UCLA can build McGovern because we know how UCLA struggled in that regard. Can Bill McGovern get something? Can he get something, just something out of a defense that, doesn't force the offense to feel like they have to score 50 to win. Um, and I'm exaggerating. I understand that, but the concept is that way. So Oregon state to me is in that could be a little precarious position because Jonathan's, as you said, Jonathan's had it going up, 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 and now they need to take that step. And again, we, we talked about this last year, win those close games, start winning more of them. The games that come down to the last five minutes, the overtime, the Colorado game we had last year, that crazy one. Got to win those now. And that's how you become a bowl team, which is I think everybody in this conference would love to see that because the vibe in Corvallis is so good. Uh, and it's going to be, I think, I think it's a little bit now of, a, okay, it's time to take the diapers off, guys. Euphemism. We emphasize euphemism. And we're big boys now. We start to need to win some games. Amen. By the way, I got a compliment yesterday. Um, my wife had a friend over and I changed a diaper and she was like, wow, that's the fastest I've ever seen you change a diaper two years <laughs> in. I, I feel pretty good. Um, yeah, but I got you guys. Neither, none of you guys had to deal with pins, man. Oh, yeah, no you, clue. I think if I could show you, my fingers were like pin cushions for about six years in the eighties. Anyway, you, you to had to tell Makai it's time to take the diapers off. Totally, I'm, I'm working on that. No. Um, all right, real quick, before we get to uh, Michael's humanity moment of the week uh, for for Oregon State, I was just there at practice, and the side of the stadium that will have the construction is where the opponent will stand. I think there's going to be something intriguing about that. That's also where we will broadcast the game. We'll be able to hear dialogue, right? Like, what does that do for teams when they're playing there? Like, I don't, I don't know, but it's going to be really interesting to to watch. And then their schedule. Your point, Boise at Fresno State at night, Montana State, who is a preseason you know they're, they're in the they're a contender for the national championship at their level of football sc at home at utah like those first five diapers off to your point like that is going to be that's going to be wild um all right so ted you gave us this stat which i love it uh, we'll use it in the game saturday 
projected 44% of starting quarterbacks in major college football are going to be transfers this year, uh, up from mid-30s a year ago. Cal, UW, Washington State will have three of those. Michael Penix at UW, of course, Cam Ward at Washington State, and Jack Plummer, all six foot five of them for the Cal Bears. It's kind of cool. Like I, I like all I like these three teams. First question when you say that, look, we knew it was going to be at Washington State. We knew that from the jump that that was going to be offensive coordinator and quarterback. They'll come in together. You get that. Uh, I think we had a fairly good idea that Plummer was going to be the guy at Cal, right? Washington's the one. And I think that's, to me, that's the point because what you just said, that number, that's not going to change. That's the world we're in. Like I joked about Burmeister, but it's not really a joke. I mean, you have a lot of three school quarterbacks and there will be more. Point being, at Washington now, what happens with Dylan Morris and Sam Hewitt? And you know, Caleb Moore knows that as well as anybody. That's the it happened a few years ago. We were there. Yeah. And it stung Chris Peterson when Jake Hayner left. So point being, what happens now to two guys you like? One guy that's played for you for a couple of years, and the other guy who's a husky legacy is Sam Hewitt, when they're both gonna watch the fifth year guy play this year. Yeah, what what the selling point to stay, well, one is all three look good. When I was up there, I got to watch a scrimmage. Uh, second point is that Michael Panix hasn't made it through a season in a while. You know, he's just been injured, right, throughout the majority of the last couple of years of his career. Yeah. So, hey, for those guys, hang tight. It's also a quarter system school. So I think that will benefit them a little bit of, hey, there's no rush. Like, Keep developing, and everybody's happy there. I had a chance to talk to Dylan. I've talked to Sam. Well, those guys are happy with the situation that they're in. So it'll it'll be intriguing, and and I'm I'm probably bullish on them more than anybody who's got uh, a new quarterback um, outside of like the SC and Oregon because we're loving them up so much. I think they're going to be way better than people think, and I have them beating Michigan State at home. I could see it. I could see it happen in Week Three. It'd be a huge opportunity for them. Yogi, let me ask you this. All right, so I think we've all circled Caleb Williams as the quarterback everybody's watching to start this Pac-12 season. Who's next, do you think? Who's the yeah. next quarterback in this conference, in your mind? You were, you you mentioned rising as a Heisman candidate. Yeah. There's another name I'm waiting to hear if you mentioned. Tanner McKee. Yes, that's yeah. the name I was thinking. Yeah, I mean, you, I think... What, what do you think? I think by the end of the year... Well, I think Utah's going to be really good. So I think Cam will be in that conversation. But I think the guy that will catch a ton of NFL buzz is going to be Cam Ward. I, I really do. He'll remind you a lot of uh, – he's not as thick as Malik Willis, but he's creative, right? The, the throw that went viral a couple days ago from him in the final preseason game. Cam's – he's dynamic. When you study him, when you watch him, when you're around him, I can't wait till we get there to watch him, Ted. He's – He's really unique. He, he was the most sought after quarterback in the portal outside of Caleb Williams. No, it's, you know, I get the arguments. It's a jump. It's a different level, all fair things. But when you watched him in the spring, this guy's a dude. Like he just is, he, he, he was missed in recruiting. So I, I think him uh, and I think Tanner McKee will get a ton of play. Um, I saw him on some draft boards um, and I think that he'll keep climbing those. And then offensively, yeah. Michael Wilson, full year off to recover and rehab. He looks the best I've ever seen him look. Bryson Tremaine is back and healthy. Elijah Higgins is there. The tight ends will be good. Okay. 
And so let me let me go down to this because you just said that. So Stanford, which we were just brushed on, Stanford is to me the third school where I think their offense, despite the fact they lost a couple of running backs, you know, David Shaw has always been very high on EJ Smith. So it's going to be his, it's basically he has to do it this year. He's the man. But you said the receivers are good, the quarterback's good, and everybody at Stanford understands. Everybody understands defense is their huge challenge. I'm hearing so I, I I haven't heard as much buzz about a defensive player around Stanford oh, yeah. in a long time as I've heard from, and I live for those who are I live right next to Stanford, but people are just keep talking about David Bailey, David Bailey. Now, I haven't seen, I know you went to practice and did some. Yeah, he's, he's as advertised. Scary part is that if he's that good or if he's that much better than the rest of the defense, he's still a freshman. You know, I, I I'm just excited for him because they're going to play we presume them to play a, a four-man front, meaning that guys just have one lane to rush. If you line up outside the tight end, rush that lane. If you line up outside the guard between the tackle, rush that gap. Versus in the past, under Lance Anderson, it's been hold up and maybe go right, maybe go left and take two gaps, two areas. So I'm excited to watch him in that. Um, and the linebacking core, they're finally healthy. And and the team knows it. Like the side, that side of the ball knows it. So they got Colgate, Glenn Parker, Sure, he'll be there, right? Doesn't his son play for Colgate? Uh, so shout out to Glenn. And then it's on for SC. Then they get a bye yeah. and they go 10 straight. So, all right, that was our preseason preview. But every episode, we always end the same way. And it's still the fan favorite, which is Michael Molinari's Humanity Moment of the Week. So this is kind of like your preseason Humanity Moment heading into week one, Michael. The stage is yours. Well, I'm going to stay on football, so I think people will like that. But it is going to be a little uh, twist on uh, Dickinsonian. Uh, Tale of Two Cities, this year in the town I live in, L.A., it's a city with two tales, two different tales from the quarterback position. And we've been talking about it. Caleb Williams, obviously a transfer from one Power Five to another Power Five, kind of a new a new twist on things. And as we talked about uh, social media, a lot of social media has not treated him too kindly, but... I kept my uh, opinions open until I got a chance to meet him. And what I found was unassuming, humble, charismatic, and yes, entrepreneurial. But that's okay. And as you, at the stat we mentioned, I said to him, do you know 44% of the projected starting quarterbacks are going to be transfers this year? He said, yeah, 58 to 131. So he knew. He's, he is well, he had the raw numbers. I was really impressed by that. And we just talked. Before we went in for the interview, we were sitting waiting outside. We talked for 15 minutes, and it was it was great. I like this kid's a great kid. So again, I say people who judge people and don't even know him, I'm telling you, this kid's a great kid. I am so excited to see him play this week and throughout the season. Um, the moment that uh, I think was a humanity moment that I when I talked to him, I asked him what's the toughest thing about transferring, and I was thinking, oh, the scheme, the this, the that, the media, the Heisman. You know what he said? It was learning all of my teammates' names. And that said a lot to me about him. Can you imagine being that practice walk-on linebacker who makes a good play? And Caleb Williams comes up to him and says, great job, George Johnson. And he's just like, wow, that guy knows my name. I mean, I think that goes a long way. Uh, it's goes a long way with your teammates, but it went a long way with me. Now, 15 miles to the Northwest, sometimes an hour and a half drive. You have UCLA. And speaking, nobody knows this guy's name anymore. DTR. As a reminder, Dorian Thompson Robinson. 
I'm sure Caleb knows, but uh, uh, another kid, how would I describe him? Almost the same way, unassuming, humble, charismatic, and yes, entrepreneurial. And we've had a chance to talk to him for five years now. A five-year quarterback at one place. That has become the, what used to be the expectation is now the exception. And you know how I know that? When you open up this book, folks, oh. five-star QB, look at the bios of all the quarterbacks in there. Every four pages, you might find one that played at one school. It's pretty remarkable how most quarterbacks, I mean, it's, it's just the most unusual thing and how that's changed so quickly. So DTR, it's a pleasure to have you in one place for so long. And to me, I bring up him and I bring up him in humanity because he is probably, I think, the most untoppable humanity and unselfish moment of any player we're ever going to talk to. We finished up about uh, 2.30, 3 o'clock on a Friday. And I said, what do you do now? It's like a 7 o'clock game tomorrow. What are you going to do? Well, in about an hour, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, I'm going to head to LAX to pick up my family. And if there's ever more a more unselfish humanity moment than driving to LAX from Westwood at 4 o'clock in the afternoon on Friday to pick your family up, I don't know if there ever will be. So, did you give him Mike's? Did you give him Mike's number? <laughs> uh, Taxi Mike is now on his list. You will get him. But uh, yeah, I would send Taxi Mike for certain, even four miles away at Manhattan Beach. But so, hats off to both these guys, both great guys. For all that's going on, the one thing I am doing this year, I'm rooting for both of them. Great people, great players, and I can't wait to get started. Hey. And Michael, your humanity. Is beautiful because you celebrated our best-selling author, Joey Roth, Roth and Charles Dickens. Joey Roth, <laughs> Joey Roth, Joey Roth, <laughs> and Yogi. Go to Dick. Amazon. Five-star quarterback. Bravo, Yogi. Thanks, Dickens, bro. Roberts, and Roth. Let's go. Hey, man. Well, Ted contributed <laughs> to the book, which uh, we'll talk about next time because Dan Lanning did as well. As did Lincoln Riley. Caleb Williams is in it as well. So a lot of a lot of cool names. Thanks for the love. Thanks for the time. Uh, this is your Pac-12 preview. We'll be here every single week, all season long. Send us your questions. Hit us up on social media. Uh, can't wait to hear about it. Excited to join the Believe community. Have an amazing week one. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.